Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. It's just been on my heart to talk a little bit about end times um, based on all the things that are going on. And the title of the message is Perilous Times. And so we know the next event to occur on God's timetable is the rapture of the church. And of course, the t- that's a type uh, you go back to the type in, in the Old Covenant, and what do you discover is that the high priest would blow the shofar, and he would call all the laborers off the fields of harvest into the temple. That was a type. What's the antitype? Jesus coming in clouds of glory with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, which is basically the same thing, the shofar, sounding it, and it's heard worldwide. And what takes place is the graves are open. The bodies of those that have died in Christ are raised up, glorified, reuniting with their spirit and soul, and of course meeting the Lord in the air. And we that are alive would be changed immediately and just in a twinkling of an eye, caught up. We meet them in the sky and we go to the main temple. Praise God. We go to glory. And we're there with the Lord, you know, during that time. Then, of course, that marks off seven years of tribulation. It marks the end of the time of the Gentiles. And then, of course, everything goes back to uh, Jewish time, and God continues a work uh, that he began uh, with the Jewish people, but that was delayed for 2,000 years because of the church age. The church age was a mystery. Ephesians tells us about that. The mystery age, Ephesians chapter 3, that was hidden, but it's now been revealed. And so now we know we're in the end of the church age. And so when we talk about this morning, this last time that we're living in, I don't want to emphasize like we've done in times past. Israel became a nation in 1948. Daniel's prophecy in Daniel, you know, chapter 9, 24 through 27, where it talks about Daniel's 70 weeks and all that. All those things we know have been fulfilled. People are going back to their uh, homeland. The, The Jewish people are going back. All those are signs, and we understand that. But there's also some characteristics of the last days that Paul mentioned, and we're going to talk about that and explore that just a little bit. Before, look at Titus with me. Titus in chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, and that's in the New Living Translation of the Bible. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godliness, our godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom. Did you notice Paul called this world an evil world? With wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. So this is basically how we're supposed to be living our lives. And the most important two words that that we've talked about with regard to end times, what are they? Be ready. And that's the whole thing. He's inspiring us to live right, be ready because he can come at any moment. Now, I know in times past that's been taken to an extreme. And people that did some crazy things way back in the day. But they did it with a pure heart. You know, like to be ready means you can't wear lipstick. I don't think, you know, that's going to keep you out of glory. Or you couldn't watch a movie or go to a theater. You couldn't cheerlead on a foot for a football team or, th- you know. Or have a picture in your house. And all that was extreme. I understand that. But their heart was pure. And their heart was right. They wanted to live right before God. They wanted to be ready. In chapter 3 of Second Timothy, we're talking about perilous times. The times that we're living in right now. So we're going to break it down verse by verse and word by word. And give you some Greek words. Just kind of better help us to be prepared. But what we know is next to take place on God's timetable. That is the rapture of the church. You know, once again, you know, you hear me saying this all the time with Andrew. That's all I hear all day long. And, you know, he's ready for him to come. And we talk about some of these things and he discusses some of these things. And I I know it's getting even heavier on his heart to go back to be with the Lord in glory. 
He'll ask questions like, how did I only 14 hours old know that I was talking to Jesus? I said, because when you're out of your body, you're not the same person. You know, obviously you knew exactly who he was. You sat there with him. You talked to him, interacted with him and all that. And it's his longing desire to go back and be with the Lord. And soon it will happen. We know that, but he wants it to happen in our lifetime. And of course, we all want that. Any objections to his coming tonight? <laughs> I didn't think so. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 1. This know, and we'll stop right there, because that's our first statement that we want to address. This is a strong language in the Greek that's basically saying by the Spirit, I'm going to drill this into you. It's almost as if a parent would take a child, grab him by the shoulders and just say, listen to what I'm about to tell you. There's some things you really need to know. These are absolutely important things I'm about to share with you. So listen to what I'm about to say. That's how he addresses it. Now, who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. So obviously, Jesus pounded this into him so he could pound it into us so that we could know that what he's about to say is extremely important to all of us. Well, it's the next part. Notice, let's pull that up again. In the last days, the last days, the expression is eschatos in the Greek, and we get eschatology from it, and it talks about the end times. But what's important to understand here is that he's talking about the end of the end times. The better way I could say it would be like this. We know the alphabet starts with A, but what does it end with? Okay, and there's many in between. Well, we're not at B, C, D, E, F. We're at Z. So it's like the last days began at Pentecost. But the last days have been continuing for 2,000 years. If you recall what Peter said, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. So if you take that philosophy and you realize that God created all things in six days and the seventh day he rested. So you got 1,000 years left since there's 6,000 years practically have come and gone. So if you look at it that way, you could say the last days began on Pentecost and they've been going for 2,000 years. So 6,000 years have come and gone. And we're right at the threshold right now when Jesus could actually come in our lifetime. I know, I know that many believe that, but I also understand we can't date set. We don't set dates or times, but we are aware of the signs of the times. And so we know that he could come. It's imminent at any moment. So we're living in the closing hours of this age. This is called the time of the Gentiles. Why is that? Jewish time stopped. Gentile time clicked in. It's been 2,000 years, and now we're about to click back on to Jewish time to finish Daniel's last seven years or last week of the prophecy, the 70 week prophecy, which is 490 years and so on. Okay, so. We're living in the last of the last days. Now notice the next word. Perilous, perilous times. And once again, you got the Greek word there, kalipos. And it describes something that is so dangerous that you don't want to be near it. Um, the only time this, other, this word is used anywhere else in Scripture, look at Matthew 8, 28. And when he was come to the other side of the uh, country of the Gergeshines, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs. Now notice, exceeding fierce is the same word. Exceeding fierce. So that no man might pass by that way. They were so afraid of this man who they tried to chain, but he would, he would break the chains. He was so demonized that he had super human strength because of the demonic influences that were in his life and no one would pass by that way for fear and what he's saying is 
Perilous times are times that are so bad that it would be risky to even get engaged or involved in anything like what he's about to say. Perilous times. Times, of course, that will change, let's say, the landscape of our world. Perilous times. Well, think about 9-11. Did 9-11 have any impact on the way we live life today? I know there's many other things along the way, but just, just in our lifetime, just think about 9-11. And think about from that point on what it took for you to travel. Or did it change the way we go to another venue, like let's say a sporting event, Olympics or anything like that? Did it change? The security was amped up. You know, you think about what took place in Boston with the bombing and the other bombings of buildings and all the terroristic acts that have been taking place. Who would have ever thought that there would be a time in human history that people would fly planes into buildings, kamikaze type situations where they would take their own lives for the cause that we know is not a cause at all. Because I guarantee you they didn't wake up in glory expecting to have uh, whatever they were taught that they were going to have by martyring themselves for their cause. Not at all. But did it not change the landscape of our society? What about now? What about COVID-19? We're talking about having sporting events this fall without people in the stands. Just people playing on a field, which really honestly, is mindless to me. Do you social distance a football team? Every play would be a touchdown. <laughs> you can't come within six feet of them. What about on the basketball court? You can't get within six feet, so it'll, everybody make a layup every time you got a possession of the ball. And the one I really love is the baseball one. Once he hits the ball with the bat, before you catch it, spray it. <laughs> Got it. As some of the things, it's just almost impossible to do. I love this one. Don't touch your face. Honestly? Honestly. Anybody here that doesn't touch your face throughout the course of a day? We all do it, don't we? But the point is, has COVID-19 transformed just about everything in our society today? Like I told you, just about performing a wedding ceremony, which is nothing to fly to Florida, do it, and then fly back on the beach is going to be the ceremony. But you think the restrictions that are being posted right now from what we saw is if you enter that state, then you've got to quarantine yourself. Um, so there's, there's so much taking place. But what all... What is this all indicating to us? We're living in the last of the last days. We've hit Z in our alphabet. Really, that was a nautical term, talking about how you're at the last port. Like, if, you, if you're at the last port, there's nothing afterwards. You're at the end of it all. And I do believe we're living in the end of the end times, as far as the church is concerned. And I believe the church it will be raptured out of here. You know, I posted that on my Twitter and Facebook. This is, this is not really not me. I just do one thing on Hootsuite and it just goes to both of those. So I don't really know what I'm doing. I just type it in. You know what I mean? You know, and, and I got rebuttal. I got someone just said, well, if you're teaching the rapture, he's a preacher, preacher rapture, then you're, a, you're teaching false doctrine. I don't even respond to it. All I want to say is, you want to stick around for the tribulation? Have at it. I'm out of here. What about you? What do you want to be on? The plane out? And once again, going back to Jewish time, Gentile time, which is about to end, the end of the, t the time of the Gentiles, what's going to end it? The rapture of the church. And they didn't distinguish between the two trumpets, like they think the first Corinthians 15 trumpet is the same one in Revelation, and they're not. They're different trumpets. There's different manifestations, okay? So, once again, the landscape of our world has changed, has it not? 
So once again, another indication that we are living in the last of the last times. Now notice the next expression, shall come. Look at that verse again. 1 Timothy. It's the end of the end time. Verse 1. Notice shall come. Perilous times shall come. Another Greek expression saying, everywhere you look, everywhere you go, you'll be surrounded by it. You'll look around, it's going to be everywhere. And once again, think about it. Everywhere we look, whether it's terrorism, whether it's this COVID-19, and the impact that it's made on the world itself, one tiny germ can make such an impact upon the entire world and change the way we live and transform the way we live. Usually if you see someone walking into a bank with a mask on, they're going there to rob it. Right? Now when you walk in, they've got masks on behind the counter. And want you to have one on as well. So it's going to be all around, everywhere you look, impacting everything. And once again, impacting all society. And we see that happening. Whether it's traveling, going to venues, if you even can go to a venue. And all it remains to see what's going to take place in the fall when school starts again. And we're already talking about the changes that will be taking place and made. So once again, the last days, the end of the last days are upon us. And the landscape's going to change. Look at the next in verse 2. This is going to be the groundwork, the foundation for all that he's talking about. And that is, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. This is talking about being self-focused. This is talking about um, being self-absorbed. People only loving themselves. Now, what's wrong with loving yourself when Jesus said, love others as you love yourself? Well, there's a good side to that and there's a bad side to that. In other words, the way he designed us is to love ourselves for who we are. And he's established the central nervous system of the brain in such a way so as to care for ourselves as we should. Nothing wrong with that. But if we are loving ourselves to the point that it's unacceptable that we're putting ourselves up above even God himself, that's wrong. So men will be just looking out for themselves and basically trying to justify the way they live their lives because they're looking out for themselves. We've heard all kinds of expressions. Hey, if it feels good, do it. In other words, disregard God. Just love yourself. Satisfy yourself. Make sure that you do what is necessary for you to have the best life that you could possibly have no matter what. Whether you hurt somebody else doesn't matter. Whether you hurt God doesn't matter. As long as you're looking out for yourself, taking care of yourself, then that's what it's all about. Forget everybody else. Well, that's what he's saying is going to happen. Pull it up again at verse 2. Lovers of them own selves. Covetous is the next word. And once again, in the Greek, this is like materialistic. Materialism is what he's talking about. They're so in love with themselves, all they're concerned about is themselves and how they could better themselves, and that's all there is to it. Um, they want to be certain that their needs are met and it doesn't matter whether or not they have to hurt people along the way so that they can get what they want. And the goal is to have more and more and more and more and more. And the focus and the attention is on that. Okay? So, we understand that David was wealthy. Look at First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 that before that. We know that David was wealthy. Solomon was wealthy. Oh my goodness. Beyond measure, beyond words. And there's nothing wrong with having wealth, but there's something wrong with wealth has the individual. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. What a revelation. And what's he trying to communicate? If that's what it's all about, materialism, living in a world that we've got to have everything that we want to have, and we're maybe envious or jealous over other people and what they have, then something's wrong. It's going to happen in society, but the wrong part is when the heart is directed that way. I mean, who wouldn't think, think about this. In our society today, how many people are actually uh, alive in America? Anybody have any idea? How many over 360 million or something like that? Does that sound right to you? Right? All these billion dollar budgets and all these trillion dollar budgets and even these multi-million dollar budgets 
Think about it. Did you get maybe 1200 bucks uh, from the government this, over this whole period of COVID-19? Anybody get the 1200 bucks? Some got, some got there, some got squat, so. <laughs> what do you think they've ever thought, if you want to, want to make it easy for people to live on this earth, why don't you give everybody a million or two million dollars and then just call it okay, call it a day. That's not all that much compared to the billions of dollars that they're trying to, right? Okay, look at David's attitude. In Psalms twenty-six, sixty-two, and verse 10, this is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Look at what it says. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. And I'm sorry to say it, but it's from what I can see true. And don't throw any stones at me. But in a lot of ministries, that's what it's all about. When I watch those advertisements on TV and I hear them talking about send your money, you'll, you'll get... And it's just unbelievable the multi-millions of dollars that these ministries are bringing in. Okay? And they want your thousand dollars for this and they come up with all these scams about, you know... Uh, let me see. First Timothy 6.10. That's 610. Send in $610 and I'll give you what that means. It's that kind of thing. You know, where's the heart? Like I said, David was very wealthy. But you can't make money the center of your life. In some situations, people are called out into field ministry out in uh, places like Africa, where they are absolutely provided for and cared for, but they don't have the quality of life like you have here in America. But you know what? They're content with what they have. Right. Because their heart is right. They're serving God. Serving God from a heart of love and care for other people. So, once again, we can't make it the center of our life. But we see that happening in our society today. Look at the next word. Boasters. It says boasters. Boasters. Right in the middle of it there. Boasters. Uh, bragging on what they have and what they can do. Look at Jeremiah chapter 9, 23 and 24. Again, from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And he really pulls it out. He makes it plain for us all to see. This is what the Lord says. Who's saying it? Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. Who gave them their wisdom? And, or the powerful boast in their power or strength. Or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. You realize that everything you and I possess came from Him. All that we have originates in Him. Every gift, every talent, every ability that we have all comes from Him. There are many out there in the world today that are not using those gifts and abilities to advance the kingdom of God in this earth. And they're going to have to answer for that someday. In whatever he calls you to do, it might not be a glamorous thing. People think standing behind a pulpit is a glamorous thing. It's anything but that, I guarantee you. So it's important that we recognize, if we're going to boast about anything, he said, boast that you know me. The author of all these things, the originator of all these things. He's the one that gives us all that we have and all that we can enjoy. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you. People will say, I can understand how you can just rattle off scripture and say stuff like, you know what? That's not me. Honestly. I believe that it came with the calling. Because it had to have. Because I'm just not all that bright. Just, I'm just not. But for some reason, every time I would read a verse of scripture, it would just stick right to me. And stick right to me. Chapter and verse and the whole thing just stay right there with me. You know. So how can you boast on something that God gave you? It's not your own. He gave it to me by His Spirit. And I've learned just to confess the Word constantly, and it stays within you. But don't boast on anything that you're being used to do by God. And I think about sometimes some of these, uh, you know, people that think that they're something, especially on 
television with all these attitudes that exist among movie stars and all that, if they only realize what they have has come from God. The next word is proud. And proud means intellectually arrogant. Intellectually arrogant. And you know, we're told that knowledge can puff up, but it's love that edifies. A person becomes so intelligent that they become arrogant and thinking that intelligence is where it's all at. You know what the Apostle Paul said? My speech and my preaching and teaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom. So that your faith would not stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You heard me say probably last week, can you imagine man thinks he knows something because he builds a plane or a rocket or a ship? Do you know how to walk on water? And when you get on the ship, make it go to shore in a storm? He's not even talking about navigating through the storm. He just took the whole ship and the whole crew all the way to the other side like that. Let me ask you a question. How does that happen? How does that happen? Do we have any clue how that happens? And what about the guy that says, but I, you know, we landed on the moon. Well, who made the moon? Who made the moon? So we think we know something? We don't know anything. At all. So how can we think we're so smart? When the highest level of man or human intelligence is the lowest that God possesses. But that's how we are. Look at the next word. People rather than promoting their own agenda should look to promote God's agenda. But notice this. They're proud and then blasphemy let's pull that up again that verse 2 men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers this is an attitude of pride toward God that's being expressed by people and if you think about in our culture our society today even in our government when man comes up with a law that goes against the law of God that's blasphemous they actually think that they know more than God? When it comes to, for example, same-sex marriage. Well, we can do it because we're the government. Really? When you start exalting your intelligence, your pride, your arrogance above the plan of God, the purpose of God in the very beginning, that's blasphemy. You, you think you know more than God does. When it comes to abortion, I know we've got all these statistics with regard to People dying from the diseases. And really, COVID-19 is at the bottom of the list. You do realize that, don't you? Do you know what the top of the list is? Say it louder. Abortion. Abortion. Top of the list. Well, we're going to control the growth of the human race using abortion as our means or for whatever other reason you might think. But go against thou shalt not kill or commit murder. And yet man thinks they're so highly exalted that this is a way either to escape the fact that she's pregnant or whatever. What do you think that says to God? It's blasphemy. Speaking against what God has ordained, and that is life. Um, right now, you think about this. I don't, I don't know if you heard about this, but in Canada right now, they've got a birth certificate that's basically for a child that's born non-gender. Gender will not be determined until the child is at an age where they can determine who they are and what gender they are. But they have a birth certificate that's basically saying that. Sometimes it makes you really wonder, how, are we getting smarter? Or not as smart. Look at the next one. Disobedient to parents. Blasphemers and disobedient to parents. This Mark the beginning of the demise of authority figures in our society like never before. There was a time not too long ago that you did not disrespect your mother and your father. Anybody grow up in that era? I know I can give you, um, you know, my age by telling you that I did. But even before that, even maybe not too many years before that, you just didn't do that. You didn't. Do you know that right now there's, and if this case took place, that there's this one young kid actually divorced his parents? 
and went through the court system and they legally actually divorced his parents. You know, when it comes to either disregarding what God says about honoring your father and your mother or you know, doing something like this here because you don't want rules and regulations in your life. The point is, not that they're doing it, but the point is, it is something that's earmarking the fact that we're living in the last of the last days. We're at Z. There's nothing after Z. Is there? I know, you know, we're at the end of it. We don't know when we're going to see it happen. But I do know this. When it happens... It's faster than you can blink an eye. And there's no time to get it right. That's it. So um, we see disrespect for authority figures taking place. And once again, disregarding what um, authority figures stand for. I realize that there are many in our government offices and positions that really, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with. But still, disregarding authority figures. Not being obedient to, to teachers in school. There was a time... In school, when you can get your knuckles hit with a ruler if you were out of control. I remember getting the, mm, let's see, how should I say it? To the seat of my learning, I got the wooden paddle. And Mr. Thompson in high school, he was a crafty guy. He drilled holes in it to make sure that it, I get all the impact. That you would feel all the impact. On the seat of learning. He didn't want the wind to slow it down. I won't even tell you what I did. To deserve it. Because it wasn't nice. You're going to ask me about it aren't you? <laughs> I was small in high school. But I was a little ornery. Just a little ornery. You know what I mean? No, I'm not going to go there. I'm like, oh, I can't do it to myself. <laughs> Let's look at the next one. Unthankful, unholy. Okay? Notice those last two words. They would be unthankful and unholy. Now, this is talking about losing focus or sight of the, what you should be thankful for. And as a result, you become unholy. And that's exactly what happened to them. That's what's happening right now. By not being thankful for what we have, we get our eyes off of all the good things that we have and get our eyes on things maybe that we don't have and become unholy in the process. Go to the book of Romans. We'll change our book here just for a moment because this is exactly how it was revealed to us through the Apostle Paul with regard to what took place over all these years of human history. Look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 from the King James Bible. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. To hold means to put a lid on it, to hold it down, to suppress it. Okay, look at verse, 20, uh, verse 19 through 21. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world were, are clearly seen, being understood, how? By the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. I want you to see where it starts right here neither were thankful when they stopped thanking God for being God and when they stopped glorifying God for who he really is their thinking became vain and empty their hearts became once again darkened and when you think about the function of the heart what do you think about it doesn't it pump the blood okay so it's talking about a fact there'll come a time when the heart of society will pump nothing but darkness we see that happening in the time of Noah when the flood came. What's happening all around us right now? Darkness is being pumped out of the heart of the people in our society today. That's exactly what happened then. They were unthankful for what they had. They wanted something more than what they had. They weren't satisfied with what they had. And so now they go to try find something else and they go beyond the boundaries that God's established for them. They no longer are thankful to him for who he is and what he's given them. But now they're no longer glorifying him for these things. And now they're becoming unthankful. And then you'll see unholy. Look at verse 22. 
but became vain in their imaginations. I'm sorry, there it is. Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. Notice this. Thinking that they are intellectually superior. And how many people today, go to your colleges today, all these professors think that they're so so intellectually superior. Many of them are atheists. Because you see they're so intellectually superior. You know, whenever you hear someone like that say, you are a Christian because you're weak. No, I say you are because you're not a Christian because you're weak. You have no idea who you are, what you're made up of, and where you're heading throughout eternity. So, that word became fools is a Greek word that's basically we got our word moron from. Moronic. Thinking that they were wise, they became morons or moronic. Why? Because doesn't the fool say in his heart that God doesn't exist? Look at verse 23. Here we have the evolution. The evolution of idolatry. Look at it. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, starting with birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. It went from starting with worshiping birds, worshiping beasts. Aren't cows somewhere worshipped even today? Creeping things and then man. Now we have man. It's finally progressed. It's evolved to the place where man is exalting himself. Man is, is basically stretching himself out. He is Boasting on who he is. Because you see, he's exalting himself above God himself. We're living in the last of the last days. Where man is a lover of himself. It is a risky time. And basically, as we said earlier, the fierce times we're talking about, so bad, perilous times that we don't want to get near it and be influenced by it. Why? It'll take us to places that we don't want to go. So we see man exchanging the glory of God for that of a beast, a bird, even man himself. Look at the next verse, 24. As a result, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Notice God gave them up means God released them to serve themselves. God released them to live the life they wanted to live. Look at the next verse. Verses 25 to 28. Who changed the truth. They put a lid on the truth, remember, of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. The birds. Right? The creeping things. The four-footed beasts and man himself more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up. God released them unto vile affections. For their, even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. A reprobate mind just means this. There was a time when the mind of man buckled under the conviction of God's word and felt the pain of conviction. Now, what's happened is there's no longer that conviction. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. The pain is not there any longer, not even convicted when something like that is occurring and you can see that in that world today. And again, you know, we, we'll talk about an alphabet, LGBTQIA. It's, it's just keep on adding and adding and adding and adding to it. And my point is this. It's becoming so commonplace and natural to man that man actually thinks it's okay. I've had someone tell me, I'll not respect you as a minister until you from this pulpit preach that homosexuality 
is God-ordained and biblical. Okay. Not going to happen, so. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith. Notice the word depart, inch by inch, move away from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Now notice this, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, once again, there is no pain of conviction when things are being done that are wrong. And that is a very horrible place to be in, a precarious place to be in, because once again, what is good is evil, what is evil is good. Can't even distinguish between the two. And once again, this is not anybody from a pulpit trying to put down any people group at all, but to send out a warning to all of us, because we're living in a time right now that's perilous. We don't want to get near it. We don't want to get by it. It's like that man, that crazy man that was uh, bound by demons out there in the Gadarenes. You didn't go near that. You stayed away from that. You wanted no part to play in that. And that's what he's saying. Look, you don't want to get near any of this. Because all this is coming down from the kingdom of darkness. In the last days, he said, it's going to get darker and darker and darker and darker. My brother and my sister, I can't even imagine how someone cannot look in the mirror and not know whether they're a man or a woman. Can you? No, it's not an issue where someone's got to be uh, helped mentally and emotionally. No. I, I just don't get it. We'll quickly get through this and we'll close. Look at, uh, chapter, look at verse 3 of 2 Timothy now. Notice this. These are the characteristics of the last of the last days without natural affection. Know what that means? Not even having concern for family as they once had for family. Once again, think about it, divorcing your parents, leaving your children, not having any regard for them. Something that should be so natural, but that, lo that loss for family is there. It exists, and we see it all around. How many times we see people where, uh, that are born into the world, a family does just either fall apart, split apart, or even in many cases today where the child doesn't even know the father, and etc., etc. But there's a loss He's talking about for family. Notice the next one, truce breakers. The truce breaker is a covenant breaker. Someone has no integrity who doesn't honor and, and let's say keep covenant. Um, so they've lost their integrity. Don't honor their vows that they make. False accusers is the next one. False accusers. Think about it. Something happens and all of a sudden someone says, sue them. Go to court and sue them. That's our society today. That's the mentality today. Just go ahead and sue them. Taken to court. Why? They burnt my hot dog. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't understand that. Then you better go to court. Notice the next word. Incontinent. Incontinent. What does that mean? A loss of self-control. A loss of self-control. No ability, once again, to control their actions. Remember the scriptures in the book of Proverbs that says... A man with, who doesn't have control of his spirit is what? Like a city without walls. Vulnerable to anything and everything that comes down the pike. Remember what David said? I got to be weaned from my emotions as a child is weaned from his mother. We got to get to a place that we rise up and recognize the fact that we can't be controlled by these things. If not, of course, we're walking down a dangerous path. Fierce. The word fierce there. It means brutal. Brutal is the next one. It's uncivilized. It's cruel. I just read of a man, uh, I guess he had a roommate, and this roommate brought home the wrong kind of beer. He wanted a certain kind of beer, he brought a different kind of beer, so the one went and got the beer and just took it, jumped, dumped it down the sink, because he didn't like the kind of beer that he had, so the other one just took a knife out and killed him. Oh, that's reason, isn't it? To kill him because of the beer? What sense does that make? We're living in a society where this is dominant. It prevails. Look at the next one. Despisers of what is good. To be honest with you, if you do good, you're almost getting despised in our day. It's those that do evil that are exalted. It's, it's hard to imagine, but criminals are being released from prison. What sense does that make? Because of COVID? So they go out and commit murder. 
And they have. They did. I'm not making it up. They released him from prison for COVID. I think it was within the first day some guy went out and killed somebody. Despises of what is good. Don't stand for what is good and righteous. You might get criticized. Look at verse 4. Notice these words. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Once again, all these things have to do with man loving himself above God and everything else. Look at some of the slogans and you want to, want to know why these exist. I wrote down these slogans for you to see. Nothing is taboo. Another one says, break all the rules. These are advertisements that you see on TV. Break all the rules. To know no boundaries. Relax, no rules here. Living without boundaries. Or find your own road. We answer to no one. We make our own rules. Well, look at Psalm 16, verse 11. Let's counteract that. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures evermore. You know what? As far as we are concerned, our universe shouldn't revolve around who we are. It should revolve around who God is. And our pleasure should be found living in the presence of the living God and honoring Him with our lives and serving Him with our lives. And every single day, letting Him know, I'm here for you to use, be used by you to let other people know that you love humanity, that you save the lost, that you heal the sick, that you set the captors free. We are living in a time right now that's perilous. And you know what? It's high risk. It's high risk because all around us, all these things exist. But guess what? We're living with it. And if you're not aware of it, if you're not aware of it, you kind of slip right into it. It's easy to do. Okay. So let's close it out. In verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such do what? Turn away. I wrote down this here name because, if, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but Reverend John Canning's eulogy for Leo and Hazel Gleese. Anyone ever hear this testimony? No one at all? Well, imagine this. He's the pastor. And he just got done preaching the eulogy for these two elderly people. They were like 90. These people loved him. He was their pastor, but also they never had children. So basically he viewed, they viewed him as a son. As a matter of fact, they wanted to adopt him as an adopted son. Well, that didn't happen. But um, he did the eulogy and talked about how wonderful these two people were. And two months later... He was arrested for their murder. Yeah, he was their pastor who was given the power of attorney who transacted business for them, who uh, sold uh, uh, properties that he had. And when they discovered that the money wasn't anywhere to be found, they went to him to discover where it was going since he had power of attorney. And as a result... He murdered the both of them. Strangled them and then clubbed them in their heads until they died. And was arrested for the crime, which he admitted to. This took place in Florida. Think about it. And that wasn't the only one. There were others too, pastors doing the same kinds of things. We're living in perilous times. Times that people deny the fact that the power of God could change a human life. Think about it. We believe in the power of God to change our lives. So that we live differently in the same world. We may be of the world, in the world, but we're not of the world. We should live differently. Certainly not like that. Well, what's the remedy? There's no time to get into all that. And so we'll close in 2 Timothy 3.16. But as you go on, read that chapter. Here's what he's telling Timothy. Paul's telling Timothy, look, Timothy, you're living in perilous times. There's no question about it. All these things are going to be prevalent in the last of the last days. There's no question about it. But you know what? You've got something to counteract all this. Preach it to the people and let them know this. What is it? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works and fully equipped unto all good works. And so what is he trying to tell Timothy? Tell the people, look, God gave his word to help us navigate through these perilous times so that when we see them happening before our very eyes, we can make a decision that we are not going to get near all this. Like that man in the Gadarenes, we're staying away from all this. And if I see any of these things creeping in my life or cropping up in my life, I'm going to recognize them, I'm going to identify them, and I'm going to stand against them and say, I'm not going to fall victim to any of that. Is it okay to preach like this? Because these are the last of the last days. And that's where we're at. Let's all stand together before the Lord.